Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. My name is Joanna, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the joint West Fraser Norboard Q4 2020 results conference call. During this conference call, West Fraser's representatives will be making certain statements about potential future developments. These forward-looking statements include certain statements about West Fraser's future financial and operational performance, West Fraser's business outlook, including demands for products and available supply and expectations concerning costs. West Fraser's capital plans, including the completion and ramp-up of capital projects and the realization of the benefits of such plans and projects. The software lumber dispute, including adjustments to duty rates and related proceedings, and the integration of Norboard into West Fraser business. These statements include forward-looking statements within the meaning of Canadian and United States securities laws and are intended to provide reasonable guidance to investors. The accuracy of these statements depends on a number of assumptions and is subject to various risks and uncertainties that may cause future events to differ materially from the events implied by these statements. Actual outcomes will depend on a number of factors that could affect the ability of the company to execute its business plans including those matters described under risks and uncertainties in the company's annual management's discussion and analysis, as supplemented by other risks and uncertainties as set out in the company's quarterly MDNAs. These filings can be accessed on West Fraser's website or through CEDAR for Canadian investors and EDCAR for United States investors. Accordingly, listeners should exercise caution in relying upon forward-looking statements. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. Thank you, Mr. Ferris. You may begin your conference. Uh, Thank you, Joanna. Um, Good morning to everyone and welcome to our joint West Fraser and Norboard Q4 2020 conference call. I am joined today by Chris Barostic, uh, CFO of West Fraser, Chris McKeever, Senior VP of Marketing and Corporate Development, uh, as well as Norboard's President and CEO, Peter Weinbergen, and Norboard's uh, Chief Financial Officer, Robin Lampert, and several other West Fraser executives. Um, and uh, both Peter and Robin now are part of the West Fraser family. This morning, I will make a few opening remarks, and then I'll pass the call to Peter and Robin for their comments about Norboard's standalone fourth quarter and full year 2020 results. We will then transition the call uh, to Chris Barostic for his review of West Fraser's standalone fourth quarter and full year results before I make some concluding comments and we move to take uh, questions. Uh, I'll remind uh, everyone of Norboard's financial results referenced today will be in U.S. dollars, while those of West Fraser uh, will be in Canadian dollars. Uh, Just a general comment before we get into uh, some of the materials. Um, You know, it's an exciting period uh, to be in the forest products industry, uh, not just for West Fraser, 
uh, but the industry in general, to be uh, a meaningful part of an industry that provides sustainable and renewable building pro products required for a low carbon economy. And we're able to do this simply by participating in the natural life cycle of the forest that we live and operate in every day. Manufacturing building materials from a sustainable and renewable forest is but one uh, very important part of the required solution for society to meet its climate change objectives. It's an industry that we are both privileged and proud to be part of. 2020 was an incredible year for West Fraser. Despite a year of rapid change and uncertainty, we managed to deliver strong results. We did so by being agile and minimizing COVID-related business disruptions thanks to our focus on the health and safety of our employees and communities. We were able to do this while achieving the best safety record in the history of the company. And yet we know we can do much better in our journey to eliminate serious incidents and injuries in our workplace. We also achieved gains in other areas as a result of the capital and operating initiatives that we've invested in over the past several years, which are now uh, being realized. I could not be more proud of what our teams have accomplished. In mid-November, November, we announced the proposed acquisition of Norborg, the world's largest producer of OSB, which just closed on February 1st. And I would be remiss if I did not recognize the outstanding work of both project teams, in particular the finance and legal departments who worked tirelessly to close this transaction, which was announced on November the 19th, 2020, in the middle of a pandemic and with seasonal holiday challenges uh, to a smooth and successful closing on February 1st. Well done to both Robin and Chris's teams. I am pleased to remind our listeners that this transaction positions West Fraser as one of the world's leading wood-based panels, sorry, wood-based building products producers. So with that, I will pass the call over to Pierre. Well, thank you, Ray, and good morning, everyone. The past year was truly remarkable in many respects for Norboard as OSB demand exceeded all expectations in the face of a global pandemic that caught many by surprise. This demand strength led to Norboard's best ever financial results as we delivered adjusted EBITDA of 384 million US dollars in Q4 and 865 million dollars for the full year. In North America, U.S. home construction activity recovered strongly in the second half of the year, bouncing back from the weakness that unfolded during the early stages of the pandemic. Repair and remodeling was also robust, with demand running at a record pace for much of the year. Industrial demand has also continued to recover and has now normalized back to, and in some cases, above the pre-COVID levels. During the early stages of the pandemic, we took decisions, decisive action at Norboard to align our production with weaker demand by implementing a flexible operating strategy. This new approach, operating approach, allowed us to cycle down in the second quarter and then back up to meet the demand recovery in the second half of the year, all while efficiently managing cost. In North America, full year production was at 80% of available capacity compared to 85% of 2019, 
with the reduction due in part to the impact of the pandemic on customer demand in the second quarter. Fourth quarter shipments were down 8% from the third quarter, but increased 5% year over year. The decrease from the third quarter was due to fewer fiscal days in the fourth quarter and maintenance downtime taken during the typically slower seasonal demand period in the fourth quarter. We took 191 mill days of downtime in Q4 compared to 32 days in Q3. OSB supply has struggled to keep up with the stronger than expected recovery in OSB demand, leading to the record high benchmark prices in the fourth quarter that have now carried into the first quarter of 2021. We cannot meet this strong demand from our currently operating mills, and so we made the decision in December to resume production at Schomburg with a restart this spring. This mill will be part of our flexible operating strategy, and once fully ramped up, after the typical startup curve, Shamboard is expected to be one of the lowest cost OSB mills. In Europe, our adjusted EBITDA increased from $16 million in Q3 to $20 million in Q4 on the strength of the recovery in demand and improving European OSB pricing. Full year adjusted EBITDA in Europe was $48 million. We made great progress at our Inverness mill in the fourth quarter where the phase two expansion is now complete and the mill is ramping up or will continue its ramp up towards its new capacity of 945 million square feet per year. This expansion will help us to continue to supply substitution-driven OSB demand growth in Europe for years to come. As we move forward with West Fraser as one organization, I wanted to acknowledge my Norboard colleagues for all their commitments and hard work, especially this past year. And I look forward to continue to work together as president of Engineered Wood at West Fraser as we embark on this new and very exciting next chapter in our company's story. And with that, I'll pass the call on to Robin. Thanks, Peter, and good morning, everyone. Just two quick reminders from me today as you update your West Fraser models with Norboard's Q4 results. First, in light of the steep increase in North American benchmark OSB prices that has continued into Q1, I'll remind you of the inherent lag in our realized prices versus those benchmarks during periods of rapidly changing prices, and of course the same thing applies to lumber. This lag, which cuts both ways, occurs because of the timing impact of our order files for commodity and value-added products, as well as the roughly 25% of North American OSB volume that goes into specialty end uses where negotiated prices don't move up or down with the commodity benchmark. Second, you will have seen the U.S. $112 million of taxes payable on the Norboard balance sheet at year-end. And similarly, West Fraser had Canadian $124 million of taxes payable on its standalone balance sheet at year-end. Both entities have large tax installments to pay in Q1 related to the strong profitability in fiscal 2020. So that will impact operating cash flow this quarter, in addition to the usual seasonal impacts we always see in Q1 from building log inventories in the north and paying out profit share and bonus accruals. So with that said, I'll hand the call to Chris. Thanks, Robin, and good morning, everyone. When we last reported earnings in October for West Fraser, recovery in lumber demand had driven a strong price reaction in wood products, lifting lumber prices to all-time highs. 
And while these prices gave back some ground in the fourth quarter, they remained elevated versus historic norms, owing to continued demand strength from new home construction, renovation applications, lean channel inventories, and a limited supply response. In terms of financial performance, West Fraser generated consolidated adjusted EBITDA of 1.46 billion Canadian for the full year. In the fourth quarter, our consolidated adjusted EBITDA reached Canadian 544 million, down from the 605 million in the third quarter as lumber prices temporarily pulled back. Our lumber segment specifically, adjusted EBITDA was 508 million in the fourth quarter versus 552 million in the third quarter. We recorded a duty recovery of $124 million Canadian as in respect of the 2017 and 2018 duty rates as final rates were released in November. Our panel segment continued its strong performance in the fourth quarter as higher plywood pricing offset slightly lower shipments and fiber cost inflation. Adjusted EBITDA and pulp declined in the fourth quarter as we took maintenance downtime at Hinton and Quinell River pulp in the fourth quarter. More recently, pulp markets are showing signs of recovery. Turning more specifically to shipments in lumber, 2020 SPF shipment volumes declined as compared to 2019 due to the impact of permanent mill closures and shift reductions implemented in 2019, which reduced our capacity and therefore our available production. Conversely, SYP shipment volumes increased from the prior year, as demand was strong in the second half of 2020, and we generated increased production due to capital improvements and improved reliability at our mills in the U.S. South. Costs of production were lower in 2020 than in 2019 due to changes in volumes, reductions in log costs, higher capacity utilization overall, and improved SYP productivity and recovery. And overall, while price was clearly a significant impact in 2020, we are most pleased by the things that we can control, and that's the progress we have made on costs in 2020 across all our segments. Shifting to capital allocation in the balance sheet, capital expenditures were 241 million Canadian in 2020, slightly lower than our typical spending as we focused on realizing the benefits of the capital we have spent in the past few years. Given the strong results, our liquidity increased materially in 2020, exiting the year with available liquidity of 1.62 billion Canadian. Debt levels remain modest with total debt of 730 million Canadian and net debt of just 71 million exiting 2020. And lastly, as you will have seen, our board maintained the dividend level at 20 cents per share for the quarter. With that, I'll turn the call back over to Ray for our outlook on 2021 and an update on some select projects. Thank you, Chris. Um, you know, let me start with a couple of general comments on the acquisition of Norboard and on the outlook for 2021. Uh, first, I, I'd like to officially welcome uh, the Norboard team to West Fraser, uh, and to also welcome Marion Lawson and Colleen McMorrow as the new West Fraser board members, uh, both having joined from uh, Norboard's board. Uh, as we've talked about previously, the addition of Norboard to the West Fraser family gives us additional financial flexibility to pursue strategic growth opportunities and better positions the company to deliver value to shareholders through the cycle. And while it's still early days, we are already seeing how Norboard's people and assets will be a very strong complement to West Fraser 
and we remain very excited about the opportunities that lie ahead. In terms of our end markets, record low mortgage rates, the ongoing trend toward greater work from home options have created strong incentives for people to purchase new homes and undertake renovations and do-it-yourself projects. Remote working, when combined with the underlying housing formation deficit, has continued to drive demand for single-family homes. That consumes more of our building products than multifamily. While we recognize that there are many factors outside of our control that can temporarily influence markets, including uncertainty around the long-term economic implications of the effects of COVID-19, we are optimistic about the favorable market fundamentals uh, we're currently seeing and is further supported by the environmental benefits of building with wood, which have been never more clear and more accepted. Keeping our employees and communities safe and focusing our attention to servicing our customers' needs are our priorities going forward. Record high, pr record high pricing in the past few months has led to strong results, but it is still a relatively new trend. And with that in mind, including our memory of uh, markets just 12 months ago, uh, we will be both thoughtful and patient with our capital allocation strategy. Now I'd like to share a few updates regarding a uh, few select projects, particularly those uh, that relate to the U.S. South and our strategy there. Our new manufacturing complex in Opelika, Alabama is a great example of the opportunity that we see in the U.S. South. Final upgrades were completed in 2020 and we are seeing a significant uplift in all of our key metrics, safety, productivity, and in cost reduction and we see further upside as we reach our operating expectations. Perhaps most importantly is our people strategy. Improving the work environment while creating fewer but higher value jobs is key in reducing turnover and in improving our ability to recruit and retain uh, the people needed to be able to execute uh, on our strategy. Turnover has reduced substantially, which we believe is key to achieving our expectations. The construction of our new complex in Dudley, Georgia is on track and we anticipate starting up the planer before the end of the month. In fact, it's, it's, it's in the early stages as we speak, with the rest of the site coming online later in the second quarter. The area benefits from a good fiber supply and is strategically located close to key lumber consuming markets in the U.S. South. Similar to Opelika, we expect growth in production, cost reduction, and a further execution of our overall people strategy. It's important to note, both from a cost and a sustainability perspective, that as a result of our continued capital investment in our southern operating platform, we now extract 10% more lumber from the same log than we would have in 2007. Producing more lumber without having to consume more timber is good for the planet and it's good for our business. We're encouraged by the projects that we have been able to bring to completion in the U.S. South and look forward to continuing to operationalize them in 2020. And we remain committed to deploying capital prudently to support our low-cost operating platform. Finally, I want to remind everyone that it is our employees that have taken on the burden of transition this past year. 
and in doing so have improved our overall ability to tackle whatever challenge comes next. The dedication and perseverance of our people across the company is what I am most thankful for and proud of. Thank you, and with that, uh, we'll turn the call back to the operator for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you are on a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. First question comes from Mark Weldy at BMO. Please go ahead. Good morning, Ray. Uh, good morning, Chris. Good morning, uh, Peter and Robin. Good, uh, good morning, Mark. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered uh, to start out, it, it sounds, Ray and Chris, like your tone around kind of capturing returns on some of these southern uh, CapEx projects is more positive than what I heard maybe six months ago. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Uh, well, I'll try, Mark. I, 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 if it sounds different, I, I'll apologize for that. It's, uh, I, think it's, uh, I think our view hasn't changed. I think as we actually start to realize and achieve them, I think we probably get more excited and you hear that tone, but I don't think our expectations are any different for sure. Uh, it's just we're really starting to realize those today. And, and Ray, what would be the runway that would be left in terms of you know, improving productivity, improving yields? You talked about that 10% increase in yields you've had across the South since 2007. How much remains, and you know, can you help us think about what the financial impact of that might be? Um, so, well, I think it's a. It's, I'm going to answer that with a two-pronged question. I mean, we're always investing, you know, even in our, our in our mills that are fairly well capitalized to continue to kind of improve that platform. So, I mean, that to me kind of goes on, uh, you know, regardless. You know, with respect to strategic capital, you know, the large, and I think I, I pretty much get this question, uh, and it's a fair question every quarter. And, I think I've, I've used that baseball analogy. You know, where are we in the in the baseball game? And you know, we're you know we've got quite a bit of runway left still. And so, you know, um, you know, as far as capturing, uh, giving you a number, I, you know, I think we'll leave that to later. But you know, I think you know, as you as you're aware, I mean, we uh, we still see, you know, I would kind of say we're kind of in the, you know, the sixth inning or the you know top of the fifth. Uh, or sorry, top of the sixth or uh, bottom of the fifth sort of thing as far as what we see as runway to continue to deploy, you know, strategic capital in the U.S. South to fundamentally kind of move uh, recovery in those remaining mills and lower our costs and, frankly, achieve better margins with uh, on, on, from our product stream. So uh, still quite a bit of work to do, uh, and, and that, Mark, is why, frankly, we're quite excited about our runway. Yeah, okay. Ray, I wondered if we could then just turn to kind of capital allocation. And I guess the, you know, the kind of the top question within that is the dividend because Norboard had this variable dividend <laughs> structure and it just seems like it in light of the markets that we're in right now, this is exactly the kind of situation where you might consider a variable dividend. So can you just can you talk about uh, dividend strategy as as you said right now and then also sort of how you'd prioritize other uses for uh, for capital, including perhaps just you know building a 
a cash position right now and, uh, you know, kind of hedging yourself in terms of uh, where the market's going to go? Sure, Mark. I'll uh, I'll take that. Um, you know, I think in terms of capital allocation, the hierarchy is is the same, right? I, I think it's something for us that's been durable um, regardless of market conditions. And and in fact, I think you know for both companies, the approach to capital allocation has been similar. You know, there's been a bit of a difference in terms of the manner in which it's it's executed, but. You know, we both believe in in investing in being the, having the leading low cost manufacturing platform. That hasn't changed. Uh, having financial flexibility to weather disruption and 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 approach growth opportunities when they exist, and providing returns to shareholders and and striking a balance across all those. You know, I think as we said, you know, now is the time. I think more than anything to be patient. Today's market is not necessarily the new norm. Um, we're into peak working capital and cash consumption in the first quarter, and you know we have to work to optimize the capital structure here coming out of this. And we're really kind of only two weeks post completion, so this cash accumulation of this order of magnitude—it's it, really a phenomenon in the last four or five months—and has healed balance sheets from what's been a fairly difficult 19 and, and early 20. You know, on the dividend specifically, you know what I would say, Mark is is our approach historically has been to pay a sustainable fixed dividend and have done so consistently over a long period of time. Uh, we didn't need to adjust our dividend in early 2020, even when markets were difficult, and we'll continue to appropriate, uh, evaluate the appropriateness of that strategy over the long term. Okay, fair enough. I, uh, I do want to just close by saying, in, in my 30 years of, of covering the sector, I think this is one of the transactions that... Uh, Know, makes the most sense to me and has the potential to add the most value over time. So I, I wish you luck on this, and I'll turn it over. Great. Thank, Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. The next question comes from Hamir Patel at CIBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Ray, when you uh, first announced the uh, the Norboard deal in, in November, you pointed to, I believe it was a 61 million U.S. of, of synergies within the first two years. Uh, have you been able to refine your, you know, your expectations there as as you move through closing? Uh, good morning, Hamir. Um, you know, what I'd say is uh, I have to remind ourselves uh, it's day 10. I think we're into our, and so. Uh, you know what I'd say is no, we really haven't further refined those, and, and we'll certainly uh, you know uh, up, update uh, people um, you know from time to time on our on our progress on synergies. You know we were pretty conservative on our synergies. I think we still have a view that that it is conservative, but uh, you know uh, we're in the process of assembling our teams and actively you know building action plans to further refine and execute on those synergies, but it, it's going to take us a little while to get up and running with that, uh, Hamir. And, and Ray, you touched on the uh, the, the Dudley uh, project. Um, can you speak to what other rebuilds uh, you might have underway over the next uh, year or two? Um, uh, good question. Uh, I, probably won't, I won't go into it in detail, Hamir, but I, I, I you know, we're uh, you know, I just kind of say that we do have a runway in front of us. Uh, you know, I think as as we announce and kind of bring forward our capital uh, programs, I, you know, I would, 
say that both Norboard and West Fraser, I think we've got a pretty decent track record that when we invest this capital that we achieve pretty good returns and that's a pretty good use of, uh, and so I would say, uh, you know, uh, I just expect more of that, uh, you know, uh, but I, at this point, not going to uh, kind of give the specific communities that we're going to, uh, that we're moving forward until we're ready to announce that. Sure, sure enough. And just the final question I had for uh, for Peter, um, you know, Peter, a couple of years ago, Norboard had looked at uh, potentially entering the siding market and uh, it was, a, I think, a variety of reasons at the time that didn't make sense. Given the change of ownership and, you know, some of the industry developments, is that an area that you uh, you see as a potential growth area for uh, the uh, combined entity? Uh, morning, Hamir. Uh, no, I, I think we're still of the opinion today that we have opportunities that uh, provide us with significantly better uh, risk-adjusted returns. Um, and, you know, so we will continue to focus our OSB growth of the business on industrial, industrial, uh, the, the industrial sector. Um, obviously, we will continue to evaluate how these things grow and i like to remind everyone that you know we we have a lot of OSB capacity in the aspen region which is i think what is most suited to to um, siding production but right now our strategy remains unchanged great uh, thanks peter that's uh, that's all i have thank you thanks Samira. the next question comes from sean stewart at td Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everyone, and congratulations on, on closing the deal. Thanks. Um, a few questions. Uh, Ray, just want to revisit capital allocation and appreciating you're only a couple of weeks in here, but as you wrap your arms around the transaction, any thoughts on how long you think the integration will take and when you might be comfortable or the board might be comfortable in, in revisiting M&A um, as you look for ways to put the balance sheet to work? Uh, well, I'll, I'll maybe start and then uh, Chris can rescue me if necessary. But, um, you know, uh, uh, with respect to integration, I mean, I, I mean, it, it's, it's just not, uh, it's, uh, you know, really, you know, corporately finance, uh, accounting, IT, you know, Chris and Rob, and uh, I mean, that's happening very quickly. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I think uh, that, uh, uh, you know, that transition, of course, there, there's multiple phases to it, right? But I, but a lot of that will occur over the next few months. And uh, and um, so I've got a fair amount of confidence that, uh, that uh, there won't be significant disruption from that because, quite frankly, you know, we're really looking at taking two great uh, finance teams and building, quite frankly, uh, even more capacity to go forward. So, I, and, and I, I think uh, Chris and Robert are already demonstrating that. So, um, you know, on the other integration, I remind everybody, you know, we bought a uh, world-class uh, uh, organization that has uh, fantastic assets and uh, even better people. And so, uh, you know, today I kind of go, there's, there's not a lot of stuff that we're losing a lot of sleep about having to integrate because uh, we're just building on best practices. So it, it really, 
frankly, doesn't take us uh, very far off of our um, uh, game plan. And so, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for the board, but I think, you know, we've always looked at this uh, as um, as something that was going to make the company stronger right out of the gate. I, I, I believe that's still to be true. And frankly, um, not take us off uh, any of our other strategies we might have around opportunities that might come our way. And so, um, um, I think we're ready to move forward as uh, uh, as needed. Okay, thanks for that, Ray. Uh, second question for for Chris and/or Robin. Uh, Robin, you you mentioned the the Q1 working cap requirements, and Specifically, I'd like to get some context on Western Canadian log inventories, especially in BC. And I know there was a rush to build log decks ahead of the stumpage hike in, in January. Can you give us a sense of what the working cap build for the combined company might look like in Q1 on the inventory side relative to what we would normally expect in the quarter? Were you able to get ahead of it in Q4, I guess is the, the question. I mean, I can I can start on that, and then and then Robin can add some color on the Western um, Canadian OSB business. Um, uh, you know, I think there's always lots of factors that affect you know how you're able to execute, and you know we do our best to kind of manage the changes in in, in stumpage and and how we haul. But you know, weather is a big impact of that it has a big uh, impact on that, as does the availability of contractors. So. You know, I would I would say you know if you think about the two vo the variables of of volume and and price, I don't think that there's you know major differences in terms of of volume of kind of where we where we would typically be on a seasonal basis, um, but you've got differences in in the stumpage on on the inbound that have affected things year over year, and so you know that uh, with higher stumpage on the same on a similar volume. You're clearly going to have a you know more working capital build than in than in prior years. So um, I, I don't know that we can kind of go any further than that on uh, on um, on it right now. But we are working hard to make sure that we've got the the log inventory that is you know economically justified for us in order to to operate through the the coming season. Yeah, Chris. Okay. The only thing I would just add, I guess, for some context. For historical context on the OSB side of the business is, you know, historically, uh, the Norboard entity has experienced anywhere from a 50 to 100 million dollar working capital build in the first uh, operating working capital build in in the first quarter, and driven by, as I said, the the build in log inventories in the north, um, and also the payout of things like profit share accruals. So. As you look to this year, obviously profit share based on last year will will be higher than it has historically been. Um, uh, but that's sort of the the, the range, uh, order of magnitude range that we've experienced. Thanks, Robin. And one last quick one. Where do NOLs stand? Do you have any ability to shield cash taxes going forward? Um, I can I can take that. You'll see in our disclosure, Sean, we've pretty much used up all of our NOLs at this point in time. We have a few that are a bit restricted, but, uh, but um, pretty much all out of NOLs right now. Got it. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Sean. The next question comes from Paul Quinn at RBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks very much. Morning, uh, everybody, I guess. Uh, maybe I'll start, uh, start on the lumber side. 
Um, just trying to understand that the mix shift or shipment shift really uh, that that you experienced in 2020 from you know shipping down to these states as opposed to shipping in Asia and and uh, you know given where prices are in 21 here do you expect that that sort of shift to continue? Yeah, Paul, I'm going to let uh, Mr. McKeever uh, speak to that. Morning, Paul. Um, Morning. Yeah, I, I would say you know we have shifted. Our business, and, and I think it's important to remember, Canada remains a, a pretty critical market for us as well, and has been. We had a very good 2020 in Canada in the lumber side. Um, yeah, just like on the OSB side, we're not we're not in these markets for the short term. Um, we're going to continue to have a meaningful presence in both Japan and China, uh, where, as you know, prices are challenged compared to North America right now. But you know, this will swing. Uh, saying that we have reduced significantly our, our total volumes in the markets and, and we'll probably hold them similar to where they've been the last quarter. Um, you know, depending on demand is much stronger in Japan uh, coming into 2021 from last year and, uh, and, and China remains kind of as it has been. So. All right, and then uh, maybe a, an OSB question to Peter. Just uh, Peter, how should we think about the uh, the ramp up at Chambord? How much volume in in twenty one? And is it you know yeah you know if you could sort of parse it out by quarters, that'd be great. <laughs> Morning, Paul. Um, Morning. Well, first I should start saying you know we're making really good progress towards our objective to uh, get production happening here. Uh, at the end of the quarter or in the beginning of the spring, uh, despite that process being hampered significantly by this whole COVID situation and the lockdown that we're working our way through. Um, so I'm very pleased the progress we're making. Uh, most of the, the work that needed to be done on the plant is complete. And we're in sort of uh, m making sure everything works and is commissioned properly uh, stage. Um, We've been able to sort of count on a very strong relationship with the union from before. Um, and so we're making good progress on getting people on board. Um, you know, when I think about a startup of an OSB mill, uh, typically uh, we would sort of, I would be pleased based on past experience if after about a year's worth, we were at about 70% of capacity. Um, that's certainly what we would have built our plan, or what we have built our plan around. So, you know, that means on average in the first year, you know, something north of 50% of the available capacity. Um, and, uh, you know, and you can sort of imagine that obviously it all doesn't all come in the first quarter. Uh, you know, but that's it's sort of a ramp up uh, that you should expect very much like what we saw in Alabama and in Jefferson when we started those mills up in the past. Okay. Um, yeah, that's helpful. Uh, and Peter, while I got you, have you been hearing any rumors about other OSB mills starting up in, in North America here? Other than the ones that you reported on, I haven't heard of any other ones. No. Okay, so we're both right. Um, maybe the last question to, uh, to Ray. Um, just on the 21 outlook here, um, you've got NBSK up 11 and a half percent year over year in terms of production. This, uh, I, I, I suspect you've always set a high bar and, and they've uh, struggled to deliver. Just wondering what gives you the confidence to be able to get that this year? 
Hey, uh, no, uh, thanks, Paul. Well, I think uh, I just remind you that we had a pretty uh, uh, significant uh, market-related downtime at uh, Caribou last year uh, around the pandemic and chips. So, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I would say uh, from a production standpoint, I, I think we look at our MBSK as, uh, frankly, uh, quite achievable just when we look at our uh, uh, look, uh, look going forward. Um, and uh, what was the second part of that question, Paul? Well, it, it was it was it was just on that. I, I mean, if I look back in your production history, I don't see anything you know up at the 515 level uh, going back. So, is, is there any material change in the in the uh, in the mills themselves that gives you more confidence now? Um, uh, well, I'm not, we're not planning any market-related downtime uh, in uh, 2021 like we had in 2020. Uh, and the second part of that is that, you know, um, we, you know as we talked about in Q3, we, we did have a difficult, uh, uh, you know, uh, shutdown at Hinton with a tragic incident and that, uh, that impacted uh, that. But, but I have to tell you, uh, the, uh, for nine or ten months of 2020, we saw the best uh, pulp product other than the market downtime we took care of. We were quite pleased with with how our our, our pulp group performed, uh, not notwithstanding uh, a blip in the fourth quarter. All right, that's all I had. Uh, best of luck going forward here. Yeah, thank you, Paul. The next question is a follow up from Mark Wilde at BMO. Please go ahead. Yes, I wondered if we could just talk about. Um, both consumer responses to these record high prices for lumber and OSB, you know, whether you might see, you know, deferrals taking place and some types of construction activity, maybe like the do-it-yourself market for decks or things like that. And then also um, supplier responses. Uh, Peter, I saw a story in the trades uh, a couple of weeks ago about uh, OSB uh, hitting the Gulf Coast from Europe. So I, I wondered if you guys could talk about um, – uh, supply responses in both OSB and lumber. Uh, I'm gonna let, uh, Chris is going to take the first part of that for sure, Mark. <clears throat> Morning, Mark, uh, and then I'll maybe Morning, pass over Peter on on the supply side. But yeah, just um, it, it's really interesting. I, all our customers, and and as you know, as I'm as we're all getting more um, integrated, you know, listening to a lot of the OSB side, where, where the story is very similar to the lumber side. You know, our consumers would like to pull away. Um, our customers, you know, have tried a couple of times. They, they tried in the fourth quarter, particularly on the lumber side. Uh, their, their demand is so large that they just, they just really can't afford to not be in, in, in the market every day. And, and the biggest uh, customers are in every day. And, um, and they're just restocking their yards. Uh, the do-it-yourself market while not you know as active on a percentage increase as it was last year, it's still very very busy. And you know so the box stores are, are busy just you know, and they're pushing all their treating partners and all their suppliers to get more and more products. So um, you know I, the other thing that we're seeing is that you know these high we don't expect these prices to last forever, but but what we are seeing is you know is is a bit of an acceptance that maybe. Maybe going forward, and, and I would say maybe that that a price level m may be different than it has been in the past a bit. Um, but we'll see if, if that that comes to fruition. And 
Uh, you know, and on supply, uh, you didn't speak to lumber. Um, you know, we're seeing we're seeing wood come in from Europe as we have, but European markets are very good in the lumber side right now, so they're not that incented to come over. So, you know, with that, maybe I pass over to Peter on the OSB. Yeah, I think same perspective. I would say uh, offer up Mark the. Yes, there is some imports of OSB coming from Europe to North America. They're quite limited. The European mills are not capable to address sort of the bulk of the market demand in North America for technical reasons. So it's sort of a limited aspect of the market that they can compete in. And at the same time, European OSB demand has, has really been growing and prices are improving there as well. So if you combine those two things, uh, you know, the, the volume that is flowing in so far anyways is, I would say, largely immaterial. Okay, all right, that's helpful. And then over on the pulp side, uh, where we've had this, you know, amazing rally over the last probably 60 to 75 days, can you just help us in thinking about how that would roll through for uh, for West Fraser? I think you have more Asian business than say some of the companies that are more skewed down into the southern U.S. So I'm thinking that it should roll through a little more quickly for you. But if you, if you can just help us with that, that would be great. Yeah, Mark, maybe I'll, it's Chris, uh, I'll try to take a stab at that. Uh, I think a few things. One, 60 to 75 days is probably a bit longer than we've seen it. Um, it's a fairly recent phenomena for us. Yeah, we certainly are seeing very improved pricing. Uh, it's going to take us a little while to get through the order file uh, to see that pricing, you know, no different than what Robin said earlier around uh, taking a bit of a lag before you see the improvement. So that's going to take a little while, uh, but we're very encouraged by, by, what, by what we're seeing in the markets. And, and um, certainly Asia is picking up, which puts pressure on both Europe and, uh, and North America. So um, we see things looking you know, much better on the pricing side for at least the first half of, of this year. Okay, that's that's helpful. And finally, is there any uh, any way to kind of quantify what those uh, outage days up at Quinell might have cost in the fourth quarter? Um, I, I I I don't have I don't have a number that I could really put to, that would be helpful. Uh, sorry about that, Mark. That's okay, Ray. I just wanted to check. I'll turn it over. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. You may proceed. Well, thank everyone uh, for joining our call and, uh, and for your continued support, and we look forward to talking to you uh, in Q2. Thank you very much, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating, and we ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.